What's up, everyone? I'm Jess Grace Garcia, and I am a worship pastor, filmmaker, music producer, and I go by she, her pronouns, but I've recently been considering going by they, them in addition, Um, and I'm still, like, super on the fence about it. That's the first time I've said it out loud. Awesome. (laughs) And you? Welcome to the (laughs) them-unity. We're going to have to workshop that. Yeah. Non-binary meeting. Uh, I'm Jack Bates, drag queen, theologian, comedian, and Jack isn't my real name. What? I've been lying to you all. (gasps) No, Jack is just a common nickname for Jonathan. Jonathan is fully like the second gayest name. (laughs) Yeah. And I think my parents have some nerve saying they were surprised when I came out. (laughs) They actually thought about naming me Sebastian. No, they didn't. Which is fully the first game. Yes! <laughs> what? <laughs> I've actually been going by Jonathan oh more and no, more now that I've realized how gay it is. But now I want to call you Sebastian. I will answer to Sebastian also. <laughs> I'm like, St. Sebastian is awesome. He was like martyred by being tied to a pole and like pierced with a bunch of arrows. Why there am I feeling a callback to our previous After Dark episode? Yeah, there are a lot of very homoerotic <laughs> paintings of St. Sebastian wow. with a bunch of arrows sticking out of him. Wow. I didn't even know he was a saint. That's mm-hmm. kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, growing up, he was just the crab from Little Mermaid. Right. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been unfortunate in my childhood if I had <laughs> Sebastian. I was obsessed with The Little Mermaid when I was a kid, speaking of. Like, it was my first ever song to do, part of your world. And, uh, yeah, I just recently rewatched it because my uh, business partner was watching it. And I was like, oh, I still love it. But, yeah, Little Mermaid, that's my jam. That's all I can think of with Sebastian. I've heard that that movie and, like, mermaids in general are big, like, trans icons. Which makes sense. Sort of, like, going between... Yeah. two worlds and especially in the movie like you're born into one world and you don't feel like you belong there oh damn that's so true that's interesting one of my partners um has talked about like the fact that they think they might have had a past life that was as a i don't think that they would have considered themselves a mermaid but i guess like that's what we would reference to them as and they are um genderqueer so that kind of Makes sense that mm-hmm. they would have. I wonder if they know that. That's kind of cool. I can't wait to tell them. Awesome. So what are we talking about today? Seeing as how we've been talking about pronouns. <laughs> I thought it'd be interesting to talk about the names and pronouns that we use for God. Yes. It's interesting because we had a message from an old friend of mine that I um, went to high school with at my small private Christian school uh, who actually listens. And um, they made reference to the fact that they enjoyed hearing us talk about um, God with they them pronouns. um, Mm. And it kind of helped them to reconcile um, they're straight. And so it helped them to kind of understand a little bit better from um, the trans community um, mm. why pronouns are important. And uh, yeah, I thought that was really cool that they uh, that they 
they kind of slipped that into a whole other message to us. It, it felt good to have made an impact in that way. Yeah, I love that. I mean, this kind of a conversation can seem really abstract, but the names and pronouns we use for God have a big impact on whether we can see and feel ourselves as in the image and likeness of God the way that everybody else is. Yeah, it's, God, that's so good that you said that. Like, being told you're made in the image of God, but only using he, him pronouns for God and not identifying with those pronouns um, is a really, it's a huge mind fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, how much can I actually be like God? Right. And a lot of people who want to profit from propping up the patriarchy, that's a lot of P sounds. Yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Like they draw conclusions or like they pretend to draw conclusions from the exclusive use of masculine pronouns for God that the masculine and or the male is in some way more like God than the feminine or the neuter or other genders. Yeah. I found that talking about God in just the past year, um, utilizing they, them pronouns has really opened up a lot of opportunities for me um, Mm -hmm. in the way that not just relating to God and feeling really truly known by God as a genderqueer person um, and as a woman. Mm -hmm. um, It's also been a really great opportunity for conversation around um, pronouns for um, all, all types of people. Mm -hmm. Um, We had an opportunity to, you and I, Jack had an opportunity to sit down with um, one of our friends uh, worship um, groups and they, um, they go to an unaffirming church. And so it was an Mm -hmm. unaffirming group of people and they, we utilized they then pronouns to talk about God. And I remember that one of the people said to me, like, I, I'm hearing you use they, them pronouns and, and I'm realizing I've never thought about it. This mm-hmm. wasn't, this was a man, mm-hmm. you know, cishet man. Um, and, and, and he was like, you know, I guess that that's, that's, that's accurate. Like mm-hmm. God is the Trinity. Right. And, of course we would use they, them pronouns. And I was like, yes, that is true. And that's a good transition into why you should use they, them pronouns, Mm -hmm. but it's not the only reason. Um, And then you kind of were able to come in and dish some theology, but it was really (laughs) good to like, kind of like in just the smallest way, kind of knock a conservative off their center. Right. You know, (laughs) Mm-hmm. Do you remember that moment? Yeah, yeah. It's powerful to be able to get them to think about a different way of relating to God than just like you're relating yourself to the divine masculine. Like whatever masculinity, femininity, other genders are. So in a sense, there is a divine masculine, divine feminine, and divine emanations, expressions of any genders that we experience down here and that only limiting yourself to experiencing 
God as male or masculine is limiting yourself to experiencing God and God's fullness. Which conservatives and evangelicals are doing all the time. Like creating boxes where they don't need to be them, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. I love the analogy that um, I've heard from um, Corey at New Abbey, Pasadena, about the surface of the table for which we thought, you know, this is as far as it goes. And then you realize actually it goes much further and then, and then you just keep going out. And Mm -hmm. it's like, that is like such a good first step for realizing you are caging God in Mm -hmm. to something that they don't belong in. You know, I heard um, from a young friend of ours in the community that their parents who go to an evangelical church were um, preached to this past Sunday about non-binary being the new evil. <laughs> and Did I they at least say thank you. Cannot tell you <laughs> how ridiculous that sounds. Ridiculous. Like it infuriates me, but also like, what the fuck? Like just <laughs> like, who could actually make sense of that message? I kind of want to just listen to it because it sounds so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it it is ridiculous, but in another way, it makes so much sense with their system of theology. Like, the gender binary is so central to evangelical theology that they'll rethink their doctrine of God so that they can keep the gender binary. Yeah. Keep control in, yeah. in the male hands. Absolutely. Because if the gender binary is threatened, then their own subjugation of women and people of other genders is delegitimized. You know what I love? I love that most of the time when you and I talk, we like start with a little bit of humor and then we dive in maybe like really, really dive into that hard shit that you literally just said like 20 minutes in. I think Uh we're, what are we in? (laughs) 20, 30 minutes in. We're like 10 minutes in. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, let's dive into this shit. (laughs) So like pronouns, like we, we just, we're talking about pronouns, but we're talking about so much more Mm -hmm. than that. Yeah. Right. Like the fact that thinking about God as non-binary completely flips an entire system of belief on its head is mind blowing to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If God isn't one gender, if God doesn't belong to one gender, then God belongs equally to all genders, which is what's threatening to them. It threatens their power, their money, And is a message of freedom to the rest of us who don't want to be abused by the guy on the stage anymore. Absolutely. I am sitting here just kind of like in a bit of shock over, even though I feel like I've felt these things and thought about them, I don't know that we've vocalized them. Mm -hmm. Even in our friendship, I don't know that we've vocalized it to that depth. Yeah. Which makes me want to fucking tear down the patriarchy even more. <laughs> Woo. Woo. Ha. 
but we got to record this episode. Maybe that's a part of tearing it down. <laughs> oh yeah. I hope so. Yeah. I feel like it's so th- that example of having that conversation with someone and having them go, Oh, I should use they, them pronouns because they are, they mm-hmm. was like, Oh, maybe I figured out that like first way of, <laughs> <laughs> of converting people into they, them pronouns. It's, such a beautiful way to just like reference to someone without them telling you what their preferred pronouns are, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, why do we think the reason um, God goes by he, him in um, a lot of scripture? Um, do we think it's cultural in order to get respect about who God is and those interpretations of scripture? Actually, my other question is, is this a misinterpretation of scripture? Uh, for the way that things were uh, interpreted. In the Hebrew and in the Greek, the masculine are usually but not exclusively used. And I think that you're absolutely right that it had a lot to do with the cultural context of the time, as well as God's usual way of revealing themselves more and more throughout human history. Mm. Like to use he, him in very hierarchical, patriarchal sorts of societies express the idea that God is higher than we are. And in some ways, that was a lot of the basis of early divine revelation, sort of establishing the difference between divinity and humanity. Mm. Like, uh, the holiness of God uh, was really emphasized, and not that we shouldn't emphasize that now, but the holiness or otherness of God was considered one of the defining attributes of God. With the revelation of God in Jesus Christ, God's nearness has become a lot more important. Like mm-hmm. we, we need both. We need right. to emphasize both. And in our own heavily patriarchal society, we probably do need to emphasize the nearness more even just to get a balance. Mm. I know you often talk about the ways in which our interpretations of scriptures should be changing and evolving Mm. with culture. Why do you believe we should change and evolve now to utilizing they, them pronouns in reference to God? I mean, I'm a little bit on the fence about whether we should exclusively use they, them, or she, her, or he, him, God. depending. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's power see. in using she, her for sure. Yeah. Yeah. In one way, it's just to get our language caught up with our theology. Uh, the historic Christian tradition has always taken God to be beyond gender. And it's only recently in evangelicalism where God is seen as the exclusive masculine. Even the church mothers and fathers who exclusively used masculine pronouns for God, almost all of them knew that they were only speaking analogically. And I think that that's lost in a lot of American Christianity today and that the, the he, him, are applied as if God were like a cishet man, which Mm. is 
not only ridiculous, like it's idolatrous. Yeah. They need to have more of an emphasis on God's holiness, God's otherness. Like because God is so different from the human masculine, God can belong to all of us equally. Like this is one of those areas that I feel like I keep finding more and more of that by delving into the Christian tradition, we find that in some ways it's really queer friendly. Mm-hmm. That's like my whole deal to find uh, traditional theological reasons to hold progressive, like human honoring values. Amen. I know that's your deal, but I love it every time I get reminded about it. (laughs) Hey, beautiful babes. As we go into our third month of creating fun, sex positive, hopefully thoughtful queer Christian content, (laughs) we've been absolutely blown away by how many of you have made listening to us a regular part of your week. We're also realizing that we need the support of our community of listeners to continue the work that we're doing. So many people have felt the one thing that we were hoping they would feel because of this podcast, that they're not alone. So if Lavender Mafia has meant something to you, or you realize how much it can mean to so many others, please consider going to patreon.com slash lavmafia, L-A-V-M-A-F-I-A, and make a monthly subscription to help us keep doing this work. Every little bit helps. Thank you. We're talking a little bit about like historically, culturally, societally, why God has been referenced to as he, him. And something I think is important to talk about is God as father and son. Can you explain to us a little bit as to why you believe that that has been a priority and, and maybe how we can reframe that? Um, and, and it's interesting that I'm, I'm talking to you and asking you about this because we literally just did a song at a retreat that I helped run um, called The Voyage. And and um, my friend Ethan Thomas led us in Good Good Father, which I'm sure a lot of people who grew up in evangelical spaces know. Mm-hmm. Um, I somehow missed that train because uh, it came out while I was away from church. <laughs> um, but we suggested and uh, encouraged people to swap out Good Good Parent or Good Good Mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was really really cool, but I would love to like dig into why that's really cool. From a theological angle, part of the conceptual work that father son does is to establish the equality of the members of the Trinity. Like when you are a parent to someone, you're a parent of something like yourself of the same species as yourself. Like I'm a human person. Last time I checked, at least, like I have a son, <laughs> and because he's my son, he's also human. Mm. Same thing. Uh, it was helpful to combat a lot of ways of thinking about God that made Jesus less than mm. the Father. And in some ways, it also just honors the fact that these are names for God that occur a lot in scripture in the Christian tradition. But from a 
more like experiential angle. Uh, one of the things I read when I was preparing for this episode was some social psychological research that showed that people tend to think about God in terms of whoever their primary caregiver was. Mm. So people for whom their father was their primary caregiver, they think of God like they think of their father. Um, for those of us who interacted with our mother more, we're more likely to project like those feelings toward our mother onto God and so forth for people who've had uh, guardians Older or siblings, other family members yeah, yeah. outside their families. And because our experiences of being parented or having a caregiver over us are so different, there are a lot of different kind of like concepts and feelings that we dump into however we think about God. Like when mm. we talk about God as father, like we're importing all sorts of feelings about our own father and or our primary caregivers. And especially for those of us who are queer and or Christian, a lot of our relationships with our fathers or our primary caregivers are or were strained so that it can be really difficult to use father or paternal language for God. And I think in some sense that that's okay and that it could be good mm. that by either substituting or supplementing other images for God in scripture, in the Christian tradition, and even out of our own religious community and our own personal experience, I think we can get a, a richer sense for who God is than if we tried to stick to one or a small handful of images or words for God. Like when I was in evangelical circles, names for God tended to have reference to like God's power or God's authority over us. So like a lot of father language, a lot of yeah. Lord language. Oh, that's such a good point. And the, like the, the distance between God and ourselves yeah, was emphasized. And if we were to say good, good mother or talk about God as a mother or like a, like, like for me thinking about more of a, of a feminine energy of God mm -hmm. makes me consider God as yes, strong and like unrelenting and with crazy amounts of endurance. Like my mom was very inspirational to me as a kid, mm -hmm. but also the place I could fall into and feel safe and feel get the kinds of hugs I need or like mm -hmm. she could hear what I had to say and like love me well, you know, and like thinking also about my wife and the way that my wife loves me and cares for me um, and is a gentle place to land. And yet this mm -hmm. absolute badass of a woman <laughs> and thinking about God in that energy is beautiful to think about God that way. That's why I feel like God has always been less of a parental figure for me and more of a friend. Mm -hmm. 
because that way God as friend could exist with a much more diverse um, and layered um, sensitivity and emotion, you know? Mm-hmm. That's so, that's so interesting and so good to think about. It's unfortunate that so many people have been raised with this authoritarian God that, yeah. that just tells you what to do and doesn't like, yeah, yeah, they love you, but they love you by giving you discipline. Right. And that's it. Reminds me of, of uh, Jonathan Edwards sermon that I had to read in school called sinners in the hand of an angry God. It's like a classic probably because it's terrible. And one of the images he used for God is he's like a person dangling a spider over a fire and like you're the spider. Ew. Totally fucked up. I mean, Edwards himself is a very problematic person. Very problematic ideas about God. That's upsetting. Constructive, but yeah, like that idea of God as like not only an authoritarian sort of father, but like an abusive authoritarian yeah. father. I feel like it's so common in American Christianity. And when people talk about like the idea of God that they hate, they'll often describe this kind of God. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm right on board with you. I hate that conception of God. I don't think that God exists. I don't think that's the God of the Bible. I don't think that's the God of Christianity. Yeah. Amen to that. I think it's really good you said that, though, because I feel like so many of us still need to hear that. We still need to be reminded, you know, that mm-hmm. that that is not that is not the God of the Bible that is not your God. My wife sometimes will kind of jokingly say, like, I'll reference to something that's, you know, my God or like I'll reference to God and she'll say something like, uh, about your God, like she'll, she'll say, <laughs> well, I mean, your God, like as in, uh, cause she's pagan and a witch. And so, so I'll say, you know, God, blah, 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 blah. And she'll say your God. And it just cracks me up <laughs> 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 thinking about it in that context. Um, because I remember I said something in reference to you and your ex-wife having the same God. And you basically were like, I don't know that I agree that we, um, worship the same God. Mm-hmm. And and that just I just remember that moment and and in reference to this right now, like I think that's very true. Like when we're talking about a God who is loving and sensitive and um, desiring for us to know ourselves and be um, accepting and loving and celebrating mm-hmm. of ourselves, that is a very different God than those who call themselves Christian. So it's interesting to think like, they're like, oh, you're not Christian. And we're like, I don't think I want to be in your camp anyway. (laughs) Right. Right. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of what the Protestant reformers said about their relationship to the contemporary Catholic church. Like some of them said that, oh, like we're not defecting, like we're not apostates or like heretics. Like we didn't leave the church because the church like, dissolved around us like there wasn't a church for us to leave and like whether or not they were right about 
their own situation. I feel like a lot of us queer Christians find ourselves in that sort of situation. That those of us who have left Christian contexts into queer Christian contexts are often leaving heresy and finding something closer to orthodoxy. Mm. When people talk about eventual unity between queer affirming Christianity and forms of religion that call themselves Christianity, but don't believe in like equal rights and dignity for everybody. (laughs) When they talk about unity like that, like I'm all for unity, but they think it's going to be on their terms. I think it's going to be on our terms. Mm hmm. Like until they identify themselves with those who have been othered in society and with those who have embraced uh, a fuller conception of God, we can't have unity in a meaningful Christian way because that's not Christianity. Preach it, Jack. That's good. I'm like as close to being an evangelist as I ever was. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. I'm about to preach hellfire and brimstone to those conservative Christians. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Absolutely. Turn or burn, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I think thinking of God in a gender, queer, non-binary, uh, equally feminine and masculine and everything in between sort of way has been really helpful for me in my gender queerness. Mm. Like, I remember talking to you about this like almost two years ago and you were talking about the divine in this way and how um, those of us that are under the trans umbrella have this beautiful and unique access to um, relate to all of who God is, all of who the divine is. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also like referencing to God as the divine because it feels very queer also. Mm -hmm. I think it's a beautiful, awesome gift to those who are cishet to give themselves permission to not have to exist within the binary Mm -hmm. that they can open up those doors because they are made in the image of God and God is all of the things, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, But I just loved being able to like have that permission to not exist within a binary the way that we have been trained and we have continued the cycle of, you know, to break that cycle. Mm-hmm. And one of the issues that I really like to deal with in theological context is the doctrine of humanity, because I think it needs a lot of work in American Christianity. Like she needs a facelift because especially in like reformed or Calvinist leaning circles, the lowness or the baseness of humanity is emphasized almost to the exclusion of anything else. It was in scripture in the Christian tradition, especially in the Greek speaking Christian tradition, 
I find a doctrine of humanity that is a lot higher, a lot more life-giving. A doctrine of humanity according to which part of what it means to be human is to have this limitless ability to contain whatever God gives you of God's self. Mm. It's like the the wine of the kingdom poured into yourself as a glass, and the more is poured in, the larger the glass grows to contain more and more of God's self-gift. And this way of thinking about God wasn't available to me as an evangelical because the like harshly authoritarian view of God, it was like a dad who's really invested in you, like not surpassing him. And so if he like, if sports are his thing, then he has to like always beat you in basketball or something. Like uh, if he's more intellectual then like he's really invested in like you never beating him in chess. Hmm. Like there's a sort of inherently competitive relationship between the father and the child. And I think that's how a lot of American Christians, especially evangelicals, view their relationship with God. Like we either have to keep ourselves real low to the ground or God will like smack us down. Mm. But in a lot of the Christian tradition, I see a God who's not threatened by our becoming more like them. Yes, amen to that. That's what they created us for. Yes. We're in the image of God, and and part of what it means to be human is always to strive to reflect the divine likeness more and more and more. And Jack, you're dropping some real great bombs today. <laughs> That's beautiful. One of the names I really like for God, uh, largely for a lot of these reasons, is God is a lover or the beloved. Yes, yeah. I'm my beloved's and my beloved is mine. Uh, the early church viewed the book of the Song of Songs or Song of Solomon partly as an allegory of the love that Christ has both for the church and for each individual person. And I love reading that book, which is Super saucy, by the way. Oh, yeah, I love them. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, talk about them mountains, please. Mm-hmm. Climb me like a palm tree. <laughs> <laughs> I love putting myself in that story, like hearing the, the affectionate and even like the sensual and sexual ways that God expresses their relationship to us in. Like uh, an image that lovers often will use of each other is like wanting to devour Mm. the other or wanting to like take the other in to oneself. Yes. And like these images have a lot of theological resonance too. Mm. Like when I go to my Episcopal church, like I believe that I eat God Mm -hmm. in a really meaningful sense. And that by doing so, I'm made more like the one that I've eaten. This makes me think about the fact that when the mo- one of the most used phrases um, when coming is, oh, God, <laughs> like entering into this very holy place 
of beauty when you are coming. Like it's this, Mm -hmm. this incredible uh, ecstasy that you're experiencing and, and how much that is absolutely a taste of heaven Mm -hmm. um, that God is giving us, you know? Yeah. And, and that's an experience that, that God can use to relate to us and to be connected to Mm -hmm. us and for us to be connected to them. And I love that. Uh, I experienced a, um, a really fun encounter um, with uh, multiple people. And, um, mm. and during that time, maybe we'll talk about it some other time on an After Dark episode. <laughs> um, during that time, at the end of it all, I said, the Holy Spirit was in this place. Mm. And almost everyone said, amen. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just absolutely beautiful. And um, I, I, think that that's, I think that's real. And I think that's true. And I think we're afraid to um, connect those things because we've been taught so much that sex is dirty mm-hmm. and not holy. Right. And that, that part of ourselves is something to be ignored and not cherished. And we need to start remembering that our bodies are a holy temple, that God created them, that we are in the image of God. Like mm-hmm. these multiple ways that God is trying to remind us that we are holy and beautiful. And that includes these areas that I think are, are hard to reconcile, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. these parts of ourselves. Um, and I've done a lot of work around that. And my vagina is one of my power places and, and needing to, and wanting to feel power there and to feel beauty there my wife was talking to my girlfriend about the fact that I can sometimes become more vulnerable when the clothes come off. Mm-hmm. And she's right. Um, but that area, like in terms of nakedness, this idea that we aren't beautiful naked, um, that's an area that I've done a, been working on and doing a lot of growth in. And just mm-hmm. remembering that like God made me. Not only did God create and make me, but I am in the image of God. That mm-hmm. includes all the curves and the stretch marks and um, the fur in places you don't want it and like <laughs> all the things. And it's important to remember that um, mm-hmm. as a genderqueer, curvy individual I am beautiful and divine as is God is beautiful and divine. And that is true for every single person who is listening right now. And Mm -hmm. I want to remind them. I want to remind you all that you are beautiful and that you are handsome and that you, all of you, um, and your experiences, um, that are, gorgeous and enriching that are involved with sex are something that God created for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and as a way of connecting, um, and reminding you of that deep and passionate love that they have for us. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. We started this episode by talking about like how names and pronouns for God, like, can feel like such an abstract discussion. But we've touched on so many different aspects of 
the human and the queer and the religious experience today. Like it has so much to do with who's allowed to think of themselves as fully human. And that's something that's relevant to all of us. Yeah. It's important to recognize that something that feels abstract is actually really absolutely at the core of who we are. Mm -hmm. And I'm really glad that we talked about it in such an intimate way. Yeah. I would love to take away from this discussion a commitment to looking at like my Christian circles, like our faith communities and asking who are we not including in the image of God? Who are we saying by saying it or by not saying it that somebody else is not in the image of God in the same way that we are. Amen to that. I think it's a really good challenge. It's a really good challenge. Yeah. If you are listening now and you feel like you can think of ways that um, you've been challenged in just this conversation, we would love to hear from you. Um, Definitely Instagram and Twitter at Lav Mafia, L-A-V-M-A-F-I-A. Please come and, and, and talk to us. We love to hear from you, our listeners. Yeah, and I'd love to hear if our listeners have favorite names for God, like yes. what those names for God mean to them. I love that. And if Lavender Mafia has been special to you, I hope that you'll consider going to patreon.com slash lavmafia and showing your support for what we're doing and helping us to keep creating good queer Christian content for you all. Amen. Well, all right, beautiful, gorgeous babes. Be fierce, keep the faith. And don't fuck it up. Our amazing music is written and produced by Evan Coles of Springwood Productions. Speaking of Springwood, I just want to thank them for recording, mixing, and producing our audio. Without them, this podcast wouldn't be happening. Springwood is made up of passionate creatives who are really easy to work with and professional, and they really know their stuff. So if you need anything like video or audio production, or they can really do anything to help your music or business. Like they got me Taco Bell one time, for God's sake. So go check them out at springwoodproductions.com. 